So, coming to um, <clears throat> some <clears throat> time boundaries, it <clears throat> seems <clears throat> one shouldn't really, uh, you know, conclude a retreat without mentioning uh, Nibbana. tricky topic and the Four Noble Truths which is the the main working axis of the of the Buddha's teachings Nibbana the, the difficult to see difficult to see subtle difficult to see realized by the wise the secure the safe, the unshakable, the place you cannot go beyond, the end of aging, sorrow, decay and death. Like unto an island, a safe place, um, the sublime, the peaceful, the deepest ease, the highest, most fulfilling kind of ease. So, the number of ways that uh, Nibbana is hinted at as both subtle, not easy to see, and yet available, attractive. There's a Another sequence that I sometimes bring to mind about the nature of Dhamma's phenomena. Rooted in motivation. All Dhammas are rooted in some kind of interest or motivation. Something that brightens up to, you know, attracted forms. Something switches on. rising with attention attention steers towards something coming into being taking a definite form with contact converging on feeling the bit that really touches gets things going is feeling supervised by mindfulness, surmountable, oh, led by concentration, by collectedness, surmountable, dominated by mindfulness, surmountable by wisdom, yielding deliverance, merging in the deathless, terminating in Nibbana all kind of sequence nothing stands alone there is a conditioned path to the unconditioned and uh, this incredible little piece I've just mentioned the Buddha saying all all Dhammas all Dhammas if you track them this this is what they do it's pretty 
you know, jaw-dropping, isn't it? Mm. All phenomena. <clears throat> so we come to what we're working on, you know, converging on feeling. The lively bit where something touches us, touches the heart. And uh, what does it touch? Where do dumbers touch? Do they touch the skin? They touch the eyes? No, they touch the heart. You know, they touch the chitta. You can be quite oblivious to sights and sounds at times, or some sights you see, some you don't. But what touches your heart is what is where the action happens feeling and that's where we're placing sati to check instead of the reverberations of proliferations and you know all the processes that get stirred up it's just unpleasant feeling pleasant feeling slightly unpleasant feeling something i'd rather like to it would if it wasn't there that would be better so the feelings are not always that strong. But you don't know what, what you're feeling, just ask yourself, would you like this to continue or not? If you think, well, it'd be good if this was over. That's called unpleasant feeling. You know, and naturally we have a person who has the capacity to, I'm okay, it's okay. I could, yeah, it's fine, it's okay, no problem. No, that's not it. I know you, we can all manage, to a degree, unpleasant feelings, but would you like this to continue or not? <laughs> It'll be good when this is finished. That's called an unpleasant feeling. Um, then dominating that, so just that sense of really supervising, incredible patience to and, and honesty. Mm. So this process of stilling sankharas, so the sankharas are the activations, the formations, the intentions, you know, that the activities that arise dependent on being something touching us and a feeling around, being aroused. You know, so stilling. Another phrase, this is sublime, this is peaceful. The stilling of sankharas, the relinquishment of <laughs> the basis of attachment, destruction of craving, dispassion, nibbana. So you know, there's a process there, and maybe the first thing we <coughs> come to sensing is, uh, you know, stilling of sankharas. This term that has come up a few times. So what's this? It's certainly uh, the adjective, the, the 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 verb indicates a calming process, doesn't it? Calming, soothing, making less, either deliberately saying it doesn't matter or letting the feeling pass. And the satipatthana, one's aware of the arising, the flowing, and the passing. Do you, can you be that there? Can you be, have that? presence of mind of chitta this isn't a thought is it to open acknowledge something um, is 
difficult, unpleasant, and you know, let it pass. And it it will keep. It won't pass if we add more to it. If we keep regenerating it. So this real, what's required, this kind of patience, the relinquishment, letting go, and also enough stability, enough inner stability to be able to do that. So if we feel calm, assured, uh, if we have that what we call refuge foundation, uh, it would be self-respect, kindness, patience, faith, confidence. Okay. Then... You can witness the arising and passing of feeling without snagging on it. <coughs> now, that means that the the sankara, which would rather be the 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 kind of the, the ripple of, well, I don't feel, well, I don't think I can manage this, or, oh, how is that, or, what am I supposed to do with this, or, whose fault is it, or something wrong with me, I shouldn't feel this way, or that. That riff, that shivering, that gradually, it's okay to be feel that. It's just feeling. I can't bear it. I can't, you know. You know that sense of it's just the moment. It's just the moment, and the the stilling, which you can't just do as an attitude. A certain amount you can do as an attitude. But it re- generally requires enough basis in in inner calm, inner steadiness, inner refuge, inner well, you know, so that we've got somewhere to stand where we can let things run through. Therefore, this is what we call the samatha practices, and this can be anything that prov- to, that helps the mind to settle. So it could be metta, you can use metta as a samatha practice, anything that may, helps my jitta to settle down and feel comfortable. Mindfulness of breathing, mantra recitations, you know, whatever helps your mind to settle down. There isn't a particular system, but there's a whole range of them that you can use walking up and down, movements of the body, so the jitta is held and gradually settled and you get to understand a lot about chitta, this jumpiness, this contractedness, this doubting, this turning itself inside out. Um, you handling it, relationship is everything. So that the sankara process can be stilled in with regard to its in, intentionality. That's its impulse to to do, to make, to become to have, you know, to, to make something out of it. Hmm. And that certainly does uh, begin to sweep away the what I call the tinder for, for, for further sankharas. You know, they don't keep flaring up if you're just able to, okay, get on that one, let's let that one steady pass through before you get into the... the cycle of reactivity. This is Samatha and it's, um, I think, a lot of practice is, is really that and it's certainly something to make use of a retreat for because it's such a rare thing and a rare encouragement and a rare 
uh, support. Most of the world is about excitement, getting stirred up, uh, getting annoyed, getting frightened, getting running, getting faster, and so forth. So this is definitely to be encouraged um, a lot, just so that your system can come out of its spasms and its its shatteredness. Retreat space, we're really trying to hold that as a place of safe, secure. <coughs> what can occur with, with that stilling is another form of sankara can begin to relax. This is subtler. Uh, but another way in which sankaras manifest, mental sankaras, is through the quality of attention. So attention is that which forms a boundary. So, you know, we can notice with our eyes, there's a certain zone which we're clear and there's a kind of fuzzy zone around it. And with any of the sense bases are like that. Yeah, and that's held by what you're interested in, you focus on. Your focus crystallizes around where there's interest. This is where interest, motivation gives rise things rooted where your attention rests. You know, that's where they spring up, where your attention rests. Chanda, motivation, desire, interest is aroused because that's why you give it attention. Yeah. So from there, things start manifesting. You see, and the process of engagement with phenomena begins there. Dhammas arise there. Dhammas are the, the experience of engagement with phenomena. Now, with the mind, the mind has no natural exterior object. The mind doesn't see, hear, or touch anything. The citta, the subject matter for the citta is its own creations. It's likened to a spider that draws silk out of its body and creates a web. Citta is likened to a spider, you know, how the spider draws thread out of its body and weaves this web and then it runs around on the web and it's woven and it sits on the web and every thing that touches that web the spider feels it sitting on the web the fly touches it the spider feels the effect of that that's what chitta does in its uh, in its unawakened state it's constantly generating webs so it, it, it's getting a lot and it's sh- shivering a lot because the amount of things that, that touch it. The web is called attention. And that can be anything. It could be the state of the world. It could be the root of minus one. It could be, you know, your knees. It could be your grandmother's arthritis. It could be, you know, considering the, the emperors of the Song dynasty. It could be just about anything, really. In fact, there's almost no limitation to the mind, what it, what it can create a web around. And that you, then the, the jitter then scuttles over that web, you know, ruminating, thinking, in terms of the web that it's spun. Its intention is to create a web, and it creates a web called attention. And all kinds of 
things get stuck in that web and it shivers with it. It gets delighted by it, curious and um, desperate, <clears throat> hungry for whatever it can catch in that web. This is where the, the juicy flies are going to land. <clears throat> That's called attention. And because it's always doing it, we don't consider that to be an activity because it's, it's happening all the time. You can't imagine that could switch off. Or that could, that you couldn't, the mind could not have to create a web to run around on. So we say, okay, well, let's see that you could possibly at least still the attention. So instead of just generating one web after another, it just stayed with one particular web, call it your body. Hmm? Just make it that. You know, let's not get too refined. Anyhow, your body as you're experiencing it right now. Your breath, you know, or just your body. There's here's your web. Now, really see what lands in that. Phenomena that come and go, this, that, juicy flies, then nasty stuff, sticky stuff, stuff I get stuck in. Gee, there's a lot happening in this thing. And what does all of it do? It rises, it shivers, it causes the web to to shiver, spider gets a bit excited or desperate or hungry or, you know, find something to nibble on. And that one goes and then something else kind of lands in the web. And here we are, here we go, you know. <coughs> Where is the right one? Where's Nibbana going to land in my web? <laughs> No, Nibbana is the destruction of the web. <laughs> Does that mean kind of blanked out, coma, no attention? No, it means, you know, you don't need a web to trap space, do you? Stilling of attention, we begin with, uh, you know, why why do we attend? We attend for cer- certain particular reasons, or well, not in- reasons, but instincts. One is something to be interested in, something to feed on, that give us understanding or happiness or something like that. The other thing that uh, is looking for is something that makes us feel we've got a grip on life, we know where we are, we're stable, we're steady, we're protected, that term comes up, we've got, yeah, and sometimes it's very clear sometimes what attention is doing, like here, something is on the lookout for things that could hurt me, or aware of the possibility of being rejected or hurt or disapproved of, the web is very attuned to that, yeah. Now, so that attention carries all kinds of subliminal messages that are there with why the spider wove that one, which sometimes can be very mysterious. Like, why on earth am I thinking about this? What on earth am I doing? What did I get here? We don't understand the subliminal motivations, which are called 
the basis of attachment, upadi, is the phrase. It's not quite the same as upadana, but it's the the the, un, the underlying tendency which any kind of clinging is based upon, and the fundamental tendency is I am, which is uh, uh, I am here, I am this, I am this body, I am this being here, and uh, therefore I need protecting, caring for, uh, so on. And at the same time, recognizing, well, it dies, no matter what you do, it breaks up this thing here. I call myself, my body ends, breaks up, is subject, nothing what you can do can really protect it. Mm-hmm. So we're just changing the message. You know, you keep nothing can be owned. This incredible phrase, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise. This is bitter, very bitter medicine. But uh, you can imagine the kind of, the sort of very straight talking of the Buddha. This is just trying to make people feel depressed and unhappy. They say it's through really tuning into that that something else happens. The spider stops weep spinning because it, it begins to sense this is pointless. It's also one begins to sense as the sankharas begin to still, the chitta knows itself. It's aware of awareness. You're aware of the awareness. You're aware of the awareness. Now, awareness and attention are different things. Attention is the boundary, the the thing that creates the focus. Awareness is the ability to receive an impression, we could say, very simply speaking. What creates our objects of attention? What are the boundaries of it? <coughs> the want, you know, what do we want to hold? What do you want to gather with attention? So, with the stilling, it doesn't mean the, it doesn't say the eradication of sankharas, but the stilling of them. Your intent, your intention, then becomes much more, just to know, just to be clear, and as you as you get calmer, you're not really you don't want stimulation, you definitely don't want excitement, you don't want to have things to think about, you don't want to have to. You know, games, entertainments, those things, you just don't want them. You know, it's not because you hate them, just because they don't feed you anymore. So there's a progressive way in which, you know, the, the, the gathering of your awareness, the collecting into it, begins to become satisfying so these other things fall away. Similarly with attention, you know, as you more gather in awareness, 
attention, what, what your mind perceives is no longer so striking. It doesn't, the web doesn't shiver. So sights, sounds, people, noises, comings, goings, that's not too difficult. You know, so you cultivate like that. But then there's further ones. Here's blame. Any shiver in that one? Uh, here's being left out. Saying, you know, I, di- I didn't get the same as everybody else got. Got left out. Here's one. Got any shiver? Any shiver there? <laughs> you know, uh, here's people not being the way I want them, not following my rule, not following the rules, not following this. How does that do? What does that do? A bit of shiver there. Mm. Shiver and shake. So, mm. and then you can aware of all that and just recognizing, oh, here goes the proliferation and we begin to just trim it back to let's not just feel guilty about it anymore and come back to this is just me this is just the experience of irritation desperation okay let's just hold that one mindfulness of that mm. and till those sankar the sankaras can be held steadily still the feeling is felt and moves and changes and then the thing quietens down Mm. and some of these uh, phenomena these mental dhammas can be very poignant how many years have you been practicing now is it 10, is it 15 years and well you know I have failed (laughs) I failed (laughs) that's a poignant one isn't it when you get to that sense despair there's a you look in the 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 terigata terigatas which are the poems of the monks and nuns the suttas are always kind of quite quite beautiful you know as buddha says something his people go within three paragraphs they're arahants you know it's really great (laughs) listen to one talk and boom 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 all the defilements drop away and then you look at the terigata which is the stories of the monks this one saying in 25 years, my mind has not had one single moment of peace. <laughs> not a finger snap. <laughs> I just, you know, <laughs> well, there's one where I think this person was so despairing, they just about, they hooked up a, a rope on a tree. I'm going to, I've had enough. I'm going to kill myself. Can't stand it any longer. And uh, just at that moment, they, as the rope touched their neck, suddenly, Ah, <laughs> realization occurred <laughs> just in the nick of time. You know, so these people got to the edge. <laughs> when you're looking at despair, uh, you know, and the stories of the the monks and the nuns, it's it's quite, so it's very gritty. You know, the nun stories are really gritty. You know, this crouchy old so-and-so of a husband, I finally got rid of him. <laughs> I went to see the Buddha. And, you know, <laughs> there are people who certainly, you know, oh, you know, they, they've got their feet very much in the mud of human existence. And this one, you know, for 25 years, 
my mind has not settled for one finger snap. <laughs> and as recognizing this, realizing this, noting this, sensing that, suddenly the deathless opened. Yeah. It's just the mind. It's just the feeling. I mean, it's a big feeling. Yeah. You see? You know, you can... You know, you can look at it, the path in several ways. You can look, it's kind of like a going up, getting calmer, quieter, more better behavior, and so forth, progressive. And there's, but there's also another way, which is just stepping back, not ascending, not descending, but just stepping back. Just this is the mind. This is a feeling. This is a sankara. Much more than just an intellectual statement but a statement of the heart you've been with this so many times it doesn't have to end it doesn't you don't have to find an answer to it it's just this uh in terms of you know real practice uh, experience you know uh you know most experienced deeply experienced practitioners would say you know you get a certain, you know, you get pure to a certain degree, and some stuff you just—it's just this, you know, it's just this, <clears throat> and there's no, no self involved with it. The underlying basis of this is who I am. This is what I am. This kind of. Uh, you know, as a fundamental thing, is it's not there. Is it just like vasana? They call them traces. There's still all these recognizable identities doing their thing, but you know, you're you're not. Your spider isn't running around it. It's stepped back. It's got off the web. Remember, <clears throat> you know, it's Ajahn Mahabur is renowned. As a as a real tiger, forest forest master, renowned for his uh, uh, quite severity, he could be very firm, very stirring, very powerful teacher, yeah, and certainly um, not reluctant to to um, point things out to people where they were lacking, <laughs> and. Uh, so the chairman of the trust went to chairman of the English Sangha Trust when he was looking for bhikkhus to go come to Britain. He went to see both Ajahn Chah and Ajahn Mahabur. See well, who they got, and he stayed some time with Ajahn Mahabur. And Ajahn Mahabur was where he is, and and then he George said to you know said to him, "Why are you always so grumpy? Why are you always so rude to people?" And nobody ever said that to Ajahn Mahabur before. <laughs> I mean, you just wouldn't dare to say that to this kind of tiger. And Ajahn Moore just looked at him and he just laughed. Because <laughs> it was somebody finally, you know, had the guts, if you like, to, to just present it to him. And he just said, it's just the way I am. <laughs> and he loved it, you know. <laughs> It's just that's that's the way it manifests. That's why his aggregates manifest like that. So these these so this is 
it doesn't mean they're not there. Yeah. <clears throat> now this gives us some possibility because trying to r r wipe yourself out is like the spider running around the web trying to put all the silk back in its body. Isn't it? No. It doesn't go back. Some of it wears out. Some of it, the really gross stuff, the really sticky stuff loses its glue. Some of it wears out. Some of it's just there, but, you know, you have to be somebody. And these traces still remain of, of, uh, uh, but there's, there isn't a kind of embeddedness in it. So our attention then, remains open to what is and it doesn't uh, even to our not just to what is externally even to what is internally so remember this is a very holistic process so whatever's happening in the mind there's attention to that and hmm, busy mind worrying mind doing this see the spaces between you know in the web passing the empty spaces there so this so there's your attention is stilled enough to the point where it's not rigid and gluey the boundaries what are we desperate for or hoping doesn't happen relaxing that so we allow feeling to arise, sadness, fearfulness. These are not easy. But when one has become more calm and steadied, we can allow some of these very poignant emotions to enter. And all this is, is generally considered really good stuff to exercise. <coughs> As you get more steady, being able to handle conflicting emotions without getting more knotted up about it. And passing through the great, most of a web after all is space, isn't it? And that in the space is the deathless. Things merge in the deathless, terminate in that that those that space, psychological space, you could call it. And you know, so this is progressive. So you know, I think classically you have the four levels, four profound realizations, degrees of it. Hmm. Yeah. But even one can even take it as just being able to uh, notice or allow uh, uh, an emotion to rise and pass. And what's as it passes, how is that when the echoes die down? What's that? So that we would say is a Nibbana movement, a movement that unbinds the furthering of stuff. Yeah. So that Nibbana we can see as a verb, to unbind, to undo, to release. Mm -hmm. 
until we realize that potential we all have. We all have the potential to, to let things fade, let things pass without holding on or tangling with it. Nibbana is sometimes called a property or an element, just like earth, air, fire, water. It means it's, a, it's, it's therefore it's as it's much an element as your skin is. It's as much an element as your spittle or your vitalities, your earth, air, fire, it's, an, it's of the same quality, but it's the one you don't discern. It's not synonymous with space because it's a cycle, it's a, something that has a releasing quality to it. <coughs> and I think if we didn't have that, we'd be completely mad. Fortunately, we do let a few things pass. All of us are a little bit nibbana already. <laughs> Imagine if everything stayed with you forever, and you just got fuller and fuller and fuller of every impression, every thought, every emotion just locked in there. You know, you, can you imagine what it'd be like just at the end of a day, let alone all, <laughs> decades of it <laughs> bursting? <laughs> can you notice that that property, that faculty of the ability to ah, soften, widen, and the, the cultivation? This can be then cultivated. It's not a kind of like at the end of the path, way in the distance, the bell rings and dong, curtains open and Buddhas cheer you over the... (laughs) (laughs) Well, come in, you know, here we are. (laughs) After, you know, who knows how many decades or lifetimes grinding away. But something that can be progressively developed as one's ability to nibban things... (laughs) Put it like that, yeah. and doing that incrementally, the stilling of those sankharas, and then you know the uh, relinquishment of this. I am. I've got to be. I shouldn't be. I wish I was. How? When, when will I ever? I've never managed. I won't. I will. All that. Yeah. And though I can verbalize it, this goes much deeper than verbalization, doesn't it? The relinquishment of that. Destruction of craving. That's a very fierce word, isn't it? Destruction. What is it that keeps sticking it all together? And here in the Four Noble Truths, you have the second truth is the truth of tanha, which is not quite the same as desire. Um... Yeah, desire can be a motivated sense where we have initiative and motivation. We have motivation to practice. That's not tanha. That's called chanda. We're eager. We have motivated. That's a form of skillful desire, and we can direct it. We have some say over it. We can bring it up. Tanha is something that has we don't have say over. It has say over us. It's a pathology. It's an instinctive quality and the word literally means thirst you can't say let me be thirsty or let me not be thirsty it's it's as it's as instinctive and gut level kind of feeling sense of not i don't have enough 
I need to take something in, or I don't, you know, I'm not enough, I need to be something. <clears throat> this is colloquial, but it's karma tanha, I don't have enough. Bhavatana, I am not enough. I need to be something. So this is where, at some level, you know, human beings seek status, recognition, you know, being something. And this is not criminal or sinful or, defi or defiled in a gross way. It could be, you think, surely this is what life is about, isn't it? To, to become something useful. And it's as basic as that. But then doesn't this mean that sometimes through that process you think, I really haven't done much at all, have I? I tried a few things, but... So when we want to be useful, when that underlying thing is not understood as finite, there's only so much you can do really understood... It brings along the shadow of failure. You know, I haven't saved the world. I haven't. Da 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 da. I haven't. And the failure comes along behind. Bhavatanha. And the Bhavatanha keeps pushing to become something more. You know. In the grossest sense, we can see that in terms of people who seek performance prizes um, and so on. You know, they just get pushed to the place where they, you know, break up. But it's there in all of us. This is what has to be uh, destroyed. And how is that? Just recognizing that uh, the tanha, which assumes that, that what we are is some kind of grab system that can accumulate all that's mine, beloved and pleasing, that's why that's a wrap on the knuckles. This doesn't mean just, um, you know, beads and trinkets. This means prowess, status, accomplishment. You know, things of that nature will become separated. I too will be forgotten. Nobody. <laughs> so that doesn't mean I don't do things, but there's a doing which has no particular need for acclaim or, you know, that, that shadow effect of, of self. The Buddha certainly did a lot, and you could say he became a very influential person. But I don't think he allowed that perception to enter his mind. Of course, in many ways, Sangha is a constant failure. Yeah, there's always people breaking up, quarrelling. People look in the book, the suttas, they all look good. Look in the vinya, books of the discipline, they're all a bunch of rascals. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're both true. So you can look. Oh my God, I told these people, and you know, <laughs> there he is storing honey again. I look, Eating in the evening, pigs, you know, what have I ever done, you know, hankering after robes, cajoling lay people, you know, wheeling and scheming, you know, why did I bother, you know, 
But he didn't do that. He just, you know, said this foolish, misguided person has not understood the teaching. <laughs> you know, it's not what do you expect, you know. So this, um, so the intentionality can remain, but the, the sense of needing to be fulfilled by some result, that's, that's why this is Nibbana. It's the, the, so it's not really an object, it's the, the mind changes from having that, that grab mechanism to just being a very open palm, just an open bestowing. So, and when we look in Buddha images, you see often they express things with their hands, you know, different qualities, blessing, protection, collectedness. And one of the beautiful ones you sometimes see is the, is the right hand down with the um, palm outstretched. It's called the bestowing mudra. This is what Buddhists do. So just, you know, there's no grab in there. It's just, it's just here. You don't even have to pick it up like that this is uh, so this too is Nibbana so it's not the mind has a new object a subtle object a state a mental state but the mind has radically changed the chitter is changing how it operates into that ability to be just complete open no boundaries to attention Whatever can be seen, subtle, nothing much, noise, sound, people, things, and the attention does not contract and vibrate. The attention is stilled, a stilling of sankhara. Intentionality is stilled. There isn't the urging, drive, restlessness, but yet it's not killed because it can rise up when it's needed and it can still when it's needed. Attention can firm up when it's needed, and release when it's needed. That's the way that enlightened beings operate, isn't it? Because <coughs> there's no attachment to that those sankharas. Stilling of sankharas, the underlying, the um, relinquishment of the basis, destruction of craving now the four noble truths then you know we look at that second one and this is karma tanna bhava tanna vibhava tanna vibhava tanna is the craving to kind of contract altogether means i don't have to feel anything I don't want to be anything this is a shrinking a shrinking of being it to perhaps to find safety to get out of here to not have to be. So that also isn't what it is. So it's not the eradication of being of that, but it's the that assumption, that fundamental instinct to, to clench, to contract, either get hold of or to get away from. Attention can be open. But peaceful third noble truth the relinquishment 
the no strings attached relinquishment. Fourth noble truth, the path that makes that possible, the exercises, the practices that we do, again it's a very <clears throat> tries to present in synopsis a very thorough review <clears throat> of uh, of a whole life. It's a way that leads this way, that that sets that aligns us this way, puts us into a correct alignment with with the 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 way to Nibbana, the way to realize, the way to open. No, this must therefore be our ongoing practice. So, Samatha, the I think really a fundamental requirement to learn how to to still, to learn how your attention can be less trembly, or quieter, more subtle. Yeah. A beautiful experience, pliable, and you can firm it up, and you can relax it. Using meditation systems that encourage that that working, work it thoroughly. You know, so don't imagine that that calm just means sort of sit there and go numb. It does mean you, you work vitaka vichara. That's a working principle. It's not frantic. It's a steady. How is this and subtle until things become quieter. Ah. Uh, this, I think, is an uh, enormous thing to be doing. You feel better, you gain faith in yourself, you realize you do have some say over how, you, how your life is, how you feel things. You have you know, a good amount of say to, to increase your well-being. And everybody needs that because just to gain confidence, to have confidence that something works. That, that really makes us feel better. And then from there, insight becomes possible. I don't think insight is possible without that some calming, steadying process. Insight is the ability to see or to review experience itself. Even a steady, calm experience is essentially constantly, subtly shifting and mutable changing there's nothing there to really be held and none of it is finally consequential that is you don't get better and better experiences and better and better and better and then there it is (laughs) doors of the deathless fling open and buddhas will usher you in now it's not that it gets quite good, pretty nice, until you get used to that. Okay, this is nice, my mind does get calm, okay. So, and then, this too is something that has arisen through intention, through interest, through attention, 
in terms of contact, it feels a certain way. It feels pleasant. Mindful of that. Wise about that. This too has been constructed, fabricated, made become. That which is fabricated, made become, must pass. <laughs> That's as good as it can do. Therefore, <laughs> is there another movement here? Not rejecting that, but just... Who has this happened to anyway? Who has this experience? It's just one form, one set of forms that the mind takes, given the optimal circumstances. Conditioned, dependent upon conditions. And if the citta can really uh, uh, like acknowledge that, soften around that, then a release can occur. It can be a, a releasing. It's described there as viraga dispassion. And the Anapanasati Sutta, you see the same thing. Dispassion ceasing. A certain ceasing of that need to go further. Uh, relinquishment, patinitsaga, in this Anapanasati, just giving up the view. This I am, this belongs to me, this is for me, this is what I, this is what I have become. And this is Nibbana, you know, the, the completed. Process of it seems to occur, according to the Buddha, in, in different ways, but the first way is just the, more the cognitive level, certain, you don't believe in belief anymore. And and you don't believe that this person living, somebody living behind your eyes, who is up there in the control box, you know, with the wheels and levers and buttons and things, that chattering voice isn't really who you are at all. Uh, So that whole way of conceiving, so the you know, can blow out as something that you organise around. So this is a stream entry. Stream entry. There's a big turnaround. You begin to really get a sense of what chitta is. Hmm. Yeah. not this personal self something more mysterious perhaps more primary uh, then you can have the direct experience that something has shifted profoundly and it doesn't go back you can't get back to believing it anymore this is an enormous uh, um blessing, takes the weight off life. <clears throat> so, some time for your own direct practice. Uh, noticing if you, as you've cultivated, 
along with what you're doing, and this is really like most of it, I would say is still going to be about just calming, steadying the places where we get reactive. If you're getting reactive, at least not getting guilty about it. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry about that. Let's just acknowledge that. Quiet and finished. New day, new moment. Start, you know, that constantly the loving kindness and compassion to keep wiping the slate clean. And then how did that, what was the trigger? What was the triggering for that? Note, really get to know something. Be wise. Um, and that certainly is going to be, extend for much longer than your retreat if you understand where the triggers are. Keep cultivating. 